Hey guys, welcome to In the Dark. I had some time here today and I just kind of wanted to come over, go over some things. Um, I'm going to have, there's going to be some people coming on the show. I um, spoke with a woman named Nancy. I don't want to give last names here, so I'm just doing first names. This week, it was really crazy. I had been following her on social media. Just, just had her like on with my friends because I have a, a group of, people that are Christians and they do a lot of prayer and such. And I just out of the blue, I don't typically do this, but I contacted her and I asked her if she could pray for me because of my allergy situation that I'm going through with the uh, mast cell activation syndrome. And she ended up messaging me back almost right away. And uh, I was just fascinated. Something she had posted really caught my attention and it just made me feel like I needed to reach out to her. And I firmly believe that that's God. I believe that when we do things like that, when there's somebody that kind of triggers something in us or sparks something or causes us to feel compelled to, you know, reach out to a certain person, it's God. It's, it's the Lord intervening there, especially if it's good. I mean, not always God if it's something bad, obviously, but if it's somebody that's a, a fellow Christian that walks very close with God, then that's definitely the Lord. Holy Spirit, you know, setting down and telling you, hey, you know, I want to connect you to. And so she ended up calling me. Um, it was really odd because she she had she messaged me first on Messenger and the connection wouldn't go through even though I answered. Then she called then I sent her my phone number and then she called me and it was all static on the line. The whole line was static. And I knew at that point that the that the enemy Satan was trying to keep us from talking. I was like, okay, something's going on here. And so I I told her I said, Nancy, she was talking to me and I said I can barely hear you. I said, can you, you know, and she said, okay, and she and when I started talking, she said I can barely hear you and I said, well, why don't we start this over? I said instead of, you know, me calling you, why don't you call me this time? And she said, okay. And so we hung up the phone and as we hung up, I started praying and I said, Lord, apparently you, you want me to talk to her and I need you to clear this line. I said, I, I need you to, to help me out here because you know, something's keeping us from, from connecting. And as she called me and it was crystal clear. So we had a really nice phone conversation. We prayed twice and talked and it was just wonderful person to meet. So don't be afraid to reach out to other people, even if there's complete strangers. If there's somebody that sparks your interest or you you feel compelled to reach out to or talk to, don't hesitate to do that. Most people are pretty responsive. It's it's pretty neat, especially if God's involved and he wants to connect you. You know, there's going to be a connection there. So I'm going to have her on. She's had an incredible life filled with stories and encounters and you know, just her, her journey with God, it's been amazing from even as far as she's even been into witchcraft and such. And uh, she found her way to the Lord, had a near-death experience, you know, that type of stuff. So next week, I'm going to have her on. Um, Nick Valente from the North American Dogman Project. He is the director of Region 3. I'm going to have him on on Saturday this coming Saturday. And there's a couple other people I'm, I'm trying to, to contact. Uh, there's a John, I really want to um, get a hold of him. I mean, I, I've gotten a hold of him. I, I just really want him to 
you know, come on and talk. He said that, um, um, I put up a, a post to, you know, have people contact me if they have stories. And John said, um, I had a recent NDE, which is a near death encounter. See my YouTube on NDE. And he mentions a couple people's names that were on the NDE story with him. Also, I've had several demon encounters growing up and one very profound angel encounter and two God encounters during prayer. So I'm I'm gonna I did reach out to John and I'd like to get him on this show. He sounds it it sounds interesting. Um so there's some cool stuff, you know, I'm in the works here. I reached out to my dad last night and I said I told him, I said, Dad, you know, I haven't really talked much about my mast cell thing with him. It got to the point where it's keeping me from work and not really sure what I'm going to do here with it because I started out being allergic to, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then here I am allergic to cardboard now, severely allergic to cardboard. In fact, I can't, I can no longer eat pizza and I can no longer eat things that come out of a sub shop because they're dealing with cardboard boxes and there's so much around the food. And when I eat it, I basically start to go into anaphylactic shock. And I'm just not sure, you know, how to handle this. And then the other day I got a um, an order in for my my business. And we usually take all the stuff out of the boxes, put them in bags, put them in a freezer so I can get to them. But now I'm to the point with it where even the stuff that came out of the boxes, I'm breaking out in hives all over my hands and arms and having breathing problems and stuff just from the stuff that it was, was actually in the boxes. So that's how sensitive this has gotten for me. Very, very sensitive. And it's almost hard to believe. It's like a peanut um, dust allergy. It, it's, it's some really crazy stuff. So I reached out to my dad and I said, you know, I told him about it. I said, I've got, you know, mast cell activation syndrome and it can be a death sentence for people. Um, the singer Halsey just, you know, was diagnosed with it. It's really bad stuff. You become severely allergic to a lot. And I'm talking a lot, almost like today I was outside um, handling soil for to replant some of my plants. And I've done this many times and I broke out in hives on my, my arm. It's everything you touch, things you eat. I mean, you're just, you're allergic to everything. So it's really scary stuff. So I was telling dad about it and he told me he wanted me to get this book, which I can't get the book because of my allergy to cardboard and even some papers, but I'm going to order it on online. It's called Divine Healing Made Simple and it's by the Praying Medic. I think the guy has a name too. I can't remember what the name is. And I'm going to I'm going to give you a little rundown of this. So this is for anybody that is dealing with illness, that's sick and you know doesn't really have any answers or can't get through it or can't like these people that are praying and praying and it seems like there's all these miracles happening in the world. You know, for some people that are having these miracle healings and other people they're just not getting answers, they're not getting healed, they're not feels like their prayers are going unanswered or God's just saying no. And so dad wanted me to read this book. He said, you know, you've got to read this. So this, what the rundown of it is, the, it's the most comprehensive book ever written about divine healing. 
Divine Healing Made Simple is a training manual for the supernatural life, providing street-proven instruction for healing the sick in any type of setting. In addition to healing, the book teaches about prophetic ministry, street evangelism, and making disciples. That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm always looking for people to talk to about the Lord. This book takes a bold approach addressing the difficult questions that many authors have avoided. Through dreams, online discussions, and hands-on experience, the author has discovered the answers to some of the most common questions people have about Christian healing, deliverance, and raising the dead. Wow, that's, that's wild. Three chapters are devoted to the problems of why some people are not healed and why some people lose their healing. Now, some people might say, okay, raising the dead, that's going too far. It isn't, though. I mean, Jesus told us when he left, when he was leaving here, he said that we could do whatever, everything that he's done. We just need to learn how to do it. We need to know. We, we It's like we have to learn how to tap into that, and we don't. We don't know. We have no clue. I mean, some people have a some a little bit of a clue, but it, it's we just don't we're not completely tapped into the Lord to know what to do with this stuff. And I think most of it's been stripped away from us, especially just kept us, you know, completely distracted and sick and everything else. This is the first book on healing to harness the power of Facebook by hosting discussion questions on Facebook. The author has collected the wisdom and experiences of hundreds of divine healing technicians. This may be the most comprehensive book on healing ever written. Miracles are happening every day through the prayers of average men and women on the street and in workplaces. This book celebrates what God is doing today and shows you how miracles, signs, and wonders can become a part of your everyday life. You'll be encouraged and given hope by the testimonies and dreams you're about to read about. Here is a, pre a preview of what you'll learn. Misconceptions and myths about healing. The biblical basis for healing. Dreams and visions. Healing and relationships. Motives for healing. Faith for healing. Power and authority for healing. God's healing presence. The word of knowledge. Healing and evangelism. The gift of healing, that's something I've always wanted to do, is to have that gift that some people really do have, where they can touch somebody, pray over them, and the person just gets healed. And not that you're the one doing it, but I would love for the Lord to work through me to do that. Uh, street healing, healing in the workplace, healing in healthcare, deliverance, raising the dead, proclaiming the kingdom, proclaiming the kingdom, making disciples, Persistence and healing, how to receive healing, how to keep your healing, why some people aren't healed, prayer and fasting. Fasting is very important. Recording healing testimonies, the future of healing, the greater works Jesus said his disciples would do. So this is something I just, I thought I would, I would mention it to you guys. If you get a chance I'm going to start reading this hopefully today. And, you know, I feel led. I feel that God is sending me information through other people. He's leading me to different people. You know, it's like every day there's something else, another door or a window that he's opening up for me. 
to see in and say, hey, Tracy, this is, you know, what's going on. When I was talking to Nancy, she said to me that God was speaking to her, that she was feeling the Holy Spirit. He was overwhelming and, and filling her. And we were both crying. We were both tearing up and, you know, had tears in our eyes talking. It was really just amazing. You could feel the Holy Spirit through the whole conversation almost. And I was just so moved by it. And she said that the Lord told her that everything would be okay. And I told her that about my sons, like I've got two sons that are dealing with addiction issues. They were raised as twins. They're only a year apart. So they're best friends. And I had five kids and three of them are doing really well. And my other two, my oldest ones got into addiction and such from, you know, peer pressure and just influences around them. Um, I never did drugs. I never drank much. I never smoked. I just, mm -hmm. I'm not that person, but for whatever reason, I have two sons that ended up addicts and, um, you know, one's an alcoholic and the other one's addicted to cocaine. And I just love them so much. I want the world for them. All my heart's desire is that my children are saved and delivered. They're delivered and saved always in that order. Um, and that they end up in heaven with God one day forever. I don't ever want any of my children or grandchildren to go to hell. I want them to be with the Lord. And that's all I want out of life. If I had one wish, that would be it, is that my family and myself end up in heaven with God one day forever. That's my wish. It would be if there's one and only wish, that's mine. And I just need for them to be okay. And I desperately need for them to be okay I've had many, many nights just bawling my eyes out, begging God to, to, to make sure they're saved, to, to, to not let them go to hell. And they're so, you know, they're just so shallow in some ways. Like their addiction has a way of causing people to just seem so shallow when they talk. They, they're just so self-absorbed self and so just... It's like things just don't click properly or something like they're not learning like they should. They're not developing and growing like they should. And they're being held back and they're being oppressed. And it's causing like it, this really severe sound of immaturity to set in. So it's really hard. You know, sometimes you get really deep stuff from them. And other times it's just like they could care less, you know, and they're just like, yeah, you know, and they just want to talk about rap music or something that's so worldly and you just don't, you know, it's really hard for somebody like me and many others of us that are so far ahead with God and with our stand with just even growth as a person, as a human being, that you're constantly seeing your faults. You're constantly wanting to change. You're constantly want to better yourself. You want to give up sin. You want to be close to the Lord. You know, you do believe in the Lord. You've, you've, you know, you've, you know, just, gotten to this level in your life that's so just so far ahead and God's talking to you and he's showing you things and he's teaching you and you're so open to him and you've given up your worldly desires and all this stuff has taken place inside of you. And then you've got this, you know, these kids that are coming along that not only are they so far, you know, they're just so, I don't know what the word would be. I can't say less than you or they're, they're just not on that same level, not even close to that level. And on top of that, then they're addicted, they're addicted to stuff and they're, you know, wrapped up in the world. And they're, some of them talk, you know, there's people that talk about suicide. I mean, I've had 
you know, one of my sons has made comments about that, you know, that he just wants his life to be over. He wants it to be done. And, you know, so you're dealing with all this stuff and, and, you know, and I'm looking at my body thinking, you know, am I reacting to everything because of the stress levels I'm going through or am I, you know, is that part of it? Of course, that's probably part of it because stress doesn't help anything, you know, but, um, there's all, I'm sure there's other factors as well. So as you're trying to be close to God and you're trying to have your relationship with God, there's all these distractions being thrown at you. So sometimes weeks will go by and you haven't talked much to the Lord, you know, when you usually are talking to him all the time and you feel like he does these things to rope you in and bring you back. And when I talked to Nancy yesterday, I felt like, you know, that day and then a couple of days before that, I felt like God was, he kind of let me slide away a little bit. We're not backsliding. I'm not saying backsliding. I'm talking about just being quiet, being in, like in my thoughts, you know, being really heady. And he brought me, you know, it's like he started to remind me, hey, Tracy, you know, I'm here. I need you to connect to me. And I started realizing I've been kind of quiet for the last couple of weeks or, you know, however long it was. I don't, I'm really bad with time. So I, um, and then I, I connected to Nancy and it's like, he just flooded me again. And it's like, he just roped me right back. And he was like, brought me back closer again, you know, where I was kind of going off and just in my head and, you know, just constantly thinking and worrying and dwelling. And, you know, he pulled me back to him again. So I just, that happens a lot. And, um, I, I just, I really love the Lord. I, I, I firmly believe in him. I do believe that, you know, so many books were removed from the Bible that things were hidden from us. I think there was a very huge male agenda going on there and it's, it, it's suppressed and oppressed women. And I do not believe that was God's intent. I think that he created us equal to be different at different spectrums of, of what's needed for, for everything in life. And we were to, we were to be partners. We were not to be underneath anything that, that was all, I, I don't even know if that's even true. I, I just feel from God that, you know, his, like, I mean, even there's a, a myth, not a myth, but there's, you know, speculation that God could have a wife and that Jesus was married and that could very well be the case, but that these people had removed this from the Bible because it didn't support their political or their religious, you know, ideas or ideals on what they wanted people to believe. So you have to understand there's a lot out there. Many books have been removed from the Bible. Many more books have been removed that were even in there. There were even left in the Bible. There was, we ended up with 66 books. That number alone should tell you something's off. And then there's all this other information out there about God and about the Lord and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and history and, and, and God's intent and what he wanted for us, who he is, who Jesus is. It's all out. It's there. You know, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Book of Enoch, the, there's all kinds of books, Book of Mary Magdalene, you know, the, the Book of Giants, the Book of Jubilees, it's just Jasher, Asher. I mean, I could name, I could go on and on with this, but I think one of the most important things we can do is find that information and read it and believe that these things were removed from the Bible. They were taken out and we need this information to truly know who God is 
what he wanted for us, what he thought of, you know, thought that we were, you know, not this male agenda that was driven by politics and power. I mean, this is going on even over in these countries in Afghanistan and Syria and Pakistan. And, you know, the, the, the movements to oppress women is just, it's, it's crazy. You know, we, we're supposed to all love each other. We're brothers and sisters. We're not supposed to think like that. It's wrong. It's flat out wrong. And, and, you know, you get a little bit, you know, you feel a little bit slighted and resentful when, as a woman, you're doing so much, you know, you're, you're raising the kids and you're holding down the family and you're, you know, you're, you're working on top of all that and you're doing all this stuff. And then you're supposed to what, you know, be underneath another person because they're born with a different genitalia. It, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I think that, like I said, I think one of the things that we need to do here is really focus on finding the information, um, reading those books that were in the Bible and finding out everything we can about our God and what his, his idea was for us, what he created us for and what, you know, his thought process was. And, you know, we can't do that when there's only part of the, of the Bible written that we've been given. We can't do that. So it's important to know him. And, and so my, my huge advice is to go out and, and uh, or you don't have to go out anywhere. You can get it online, find these books and, and read them and understand that we're all as equally important in this walk here on earth together that, you know, male, female, children, you know, even animals. I mean, there's got to be more love and respect given to one another and, and stop feeling that it's about, you know, gender or race or color or, you know, religion, or it's, we have been separated. There has, there is a, is such an agenda for hate and separation and feeling superior or inferior, or it's just this complete satanic, just separation and agenda that's going on here. And we've got to get past this. We have to get past this to grow. And the growth part is just extremely important here. And I don't know how we're going to grow if we don't understand that that's what's going on and we recognize it. So my point was, if you feel led to somebody to connect to them, don't be afraid to, you know, reach out to people, talk to people, pray with people, pray for people. It was just amazing meeting and talking to Nancy. I really just really loved it. I had a really wonderful time. Um, not to, you know, I don't want to get on these tangents with stuff. I just really feel that we just, you know, there's just the agenda that just is going on here and has just grown and turned into a monster is just, it's crazy that people aren't really seeing through it and really trying to change it. You know, I, I think that, um, we need each other and that's the bottom line. I had, um, a man that sent me a story too about, um, an encounter he had. I was going to read it to you. His name's Luke. Luke says, um, for years, I always heard about the supernatural. When you grow up in church, you've heard of angels and demons and things being experienced. Well, I've always wanted to see the unexplainable. 
I've had various things happen to me, mainly though in dreams while I was asleep. And I've also had heard my name being called out of nowhere. But last February, I had the realest supernatural thing I've ever happened before. I was not asleep. It was not a dream. It was reality, real as you can get. I woke up around 5.30 a.m. on a Saturday morning. I had just came home to visit family, and while everything was fine till 5.30 a.m., I woke up and went to get my phone. I have a bedside table where I put my lamp, phone, and glasses at. I went to grab my phone, and there was a wooden drawer between me and my bedside table. I thought, that's weird. So I get up and stand up. Now remember, there was no lights on, but I could see shadows. I had curtains that block out light on my windows. The light shining at the top was not regular white. It was like a dark cream, tannish white. I saw the figure of a shadow creature, its face on my wall in front of me. All I could think about was I've got to turn some light on. I get up from my bed. I maneuver my way around my bed. First, I tried turning the big light on by pulling the string. The string moved every time I got close. So then I tried to get to my bedroom door. There was no doorknob. There was wood that blocked the door from opening and it was nailed shut. So then I began to panic. I had no escape. Then there was a white pew that came out behind me. It had a red cushion. I remember trying to get over it, and it wouldn't let me. So I stood there in the darkness, wondering what to do. I finally sat down on the pew, and all I could do was hold my head in my hands, and I remember thinking and crying to Jesus. I got up, and my door was back to normal. When I finally got into my living room, I yelled for my mom, who came out, and I told her what happened. This dream stuff. I had a dream. Thanks, Luke. I appreciate that story, by the way. Um, it's a crazy story. I mean, it's, you know, it's fascinating to read them and it's interesting. And sometimes you just don't have, you don't really know what to say. There's not much you can really say about it. It's just like, huh, you know, <laughs> like it's like, wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, I had a dream just the other day. I was, it was really weird because I always fall asleep with my, TV on or something that we Robin and I've talked about this before where we always buffer things out by using a TV so I usually I'll try I try to go to bed at night with this um, healing scriptures by John Hagee he reads these scriptures to you that heal you and I figure you know there's no better protection than going to bed with the word of God so I try to do something like that or the Bible and I put it on low like usually at like volume 10 and I'm big on numbers. I have a real weird thing about numbers. Hang on, guys. Sorry about that. My phone's always acting up. Um, and I always have to end everything on like a three or a five or a seven or something, you know, like it's just really bizarre. So I make sure it's not on like a six or an 11 or a nine or anything like that. I just, there's certain numbers I just don't, I don't like. And I, I think I get that from God actually. But um, so... I do this and, and I feel like it really keeps you protected and it, and, and it could even heal you if you're listening to healing scriptures. And so this night I didn't, I didn't, you know, have anything on. I've, I've passed out 
And usually I have like Tristan will pass out with me or one of the, you know, Levi or one of the kids or somebody always like comes in and kind of lays next to me and we pass out to like, we'll talk and watch movies and we end up falling asleep a lot of the times, not every time. So I woke up and I had, I had fallen asleep and I, I had come out of this dream and it was such a bizarre quiet. It was like just pitch quiet, you know, where nothing was on, nobody was around me. The house was kind of quiet and I was like, wow. And I was coming out of this dream and I felt really weird. Like I had been in this really weird realm and all I remember, I remember bits and pieces of the dream, but the, the ending of it was what I really held to me because my room is right above the basement. I sleep downstairs and I've got a cold air return that goes straight into this, the basement because I get birds that get in there sometimes and they come up to the cold air return to the, that little gate that you have. And I lift it up and I take the bird out. They, 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 I swear to the Lord, it, they come up. It's the same bird or might be a couple of them that they're so familiar with me. Now, as soon as I shine a light, they come right to me and they hop out to me and they somehow they get into my basement. I don't know how it is. I don't know where they're coming from. Cause it's like rock under there. And it's like, a, it's just a little part of, of that's actually basement. And it's like really basementy, you know, it's, it's not very big and it's very, you know, just basementy is all I can say. It's not refinished or anything like that. So there's gotta be areas in the rock where there's like an opening that they get under the porch and then they get into the basement and then they, they know to come up to me now. So, um, it's clean down there though. It's not dirty or anything, but it's, it's just still, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of creeps you out a little bit. And I was waking up and I, I remember feeling I, in my dream, I was having this horrible smell coming from the basement. And in the dream, my son, Tristan didn't shut the basement door. He had been down there and the basement door was left open a little crack. And I remember like, I was kind of saying to him, making a big deal. You didn't shut the basement door. And then I went over to it and the basement door was like, cracked open kind of far and there was this horrible smell coming from it like a smell of sulfur or something weird and so and then we said something about Matt my mate and like he had been down there or he was supposed to come and help us shut the door something like along the lines where Matt was part of this but this thing was like after Matt that was that we realized was in the basement and then we ran to shut this basement door realizing that this entity was down there and as we were trying to shut it this entity like was trying to blast the door open really like powerful and we were all three of us were like trying to shut this door to keep it at bay and we were having a real struggle to do it and that's how I woke up and I thought my god and I had woken up with this feeling like there's something in my basement you know and it just it was really crazy stuff and I just I don't know if there's anything to it it's just you know you don't know like we get dreams we get visions we get you know, our sixth sense and intuition and all that stuff. And with my walk with God, I'm so close to God. And I just felt like, was I given something like was something, was something, you know, is there something there? Like something that's actually, you know, cause you can get sick. Like you can get ill because of, of spirits and demons. They make us sick. 
and they oppress us. They cause addictions and they cause alcoholism and they cause suicide and they cause depression and they cause allergies and, you know, they cause all this stuff and they wreak havoc on us. They wreak havoc on our relationships. I mean, every time Matt and I have an argument, you can feel activity in the house. You could, you see the shadow person go by, cupboards will bang, something goes on in the house almost every time we have an argument. And that's how you know that you just got visited with a demon that actually caused the argument. That's what they're, they're doing their job. That's their purpose. And so I just felt like I wondered if, you know, I had been given some kind of knowledge that maybe there was an issue going on downstairs. And it's weird because on my basement door, I have a picture of Jesus and I, I just put it there for whatever reason. It's him standing on water, holding his hand out to you. And I, you know, I love having pictures up of Jesus. I have one in my room. I have one in the, um, there's like another room off the laundry room that we have for my grandson to kind of use as a playroom and to, you know, just do whatever. He kind of takes over the whole house. But, um, you know, I have a picture of Jesus in there. I mean, I just, I love having his face up just to, you know, sometimes when I talk to him, I actually talk to the picture. I know it's not him, but I just feel like at least it's giving me a face to talk to. So it's just, it's just some thoughts I'm, I'm throwing out there at you guys. Um, but we like, this is a battle. Okay. We're in a huge battle down here. It's, it's nothing but battle. It's one battle after another littlest things, things that happen to you, you know, flat tires, stuck in traffic, road rage, you know, problems with your, your, you know, mates, your husband's wives, problems with kids, addictions, you know, suicide, sickness, it's all, it's all demonic. It's, it's all, and I say demonic, but I mean, it's, it's forces from the devil. It's forces from Satan. Okay. He runs the government. The government has oppressed us and made us sick. They hide information. They've tried to put us to, to sleep. You know, they're constantly trying to harm us in the same way or at the same time, trying to make us believe that they're the good guys and they're out for our best interest. They're not out for our best interest. They're not the good guys. This is run by Lucifer. It's, it's said, we were told that by the Lord himself. The world is run by the devil and the devil runs our governments. All of them, the world's governments, they're all in league together. And then it trickles down, you know, from one level to another. And that's what's going on. So we have to understand that everything we're dealing with is a battle, whether it's from demons, Satan himself, you know, other minions of his that he has out there, you know, watchers, fallen angels, whatever you want to call them, whatever word you want to give them, aliens, ETs, you know, Bigfoot. I don't know. I can't say that Bigfoot are all 100% evil. Um, I do find it very odd that most of them have a, a terrible smell of death and sulfur. Okay. I find it odd that people have seen them come straight out of spaceships. Okay. They've seen orbs in the woods and then had sightings of Bigfoot or dogmen or ETs or, you know, whatever, whatever the other entities are out there. The connection is there, guys. Whether you want to, you know, sugarcoat it or not, or you want to say, well, you know, I live around big feet and they're great. You know, they're good. They might be to you, or there might be an agenda there. 
They could be tricking you. You might be part of them. There, there's people that I believe are put here that are part ET that have been abducted. Their mother could have been abducted and implanted with a seed. And this person is part ET, which means they're part demon, which means that they're all part of the same collective. So these Bigfoot that are befriending certain people, why is that? You know, are they good Bigfoot or is there something about that person? These are just thoughts. I'm not saying I know this. I don't, I can't 100% say, yes, I know this to be fact because that would sound foolish of me. Nobody is an expert on this stuff at all. So I just want to, hang on one second here. Sorry, I just had a little bit of an interruption there real quick. Um, I just want to reiterate that, you know, these are just theories that you get, things that cross your mind, feelings you get. Um, I feel that a lot of my stuff comes from the Lord, from my connection with him. That's how I feel. I'm not going to know that until I've passed through this world, you know, 100% where I can sit down with him and he can say, yes, you were picking up on that correctly. Yes, this was right. Yes, you were hearing me. No, that wasn't me. You know, so at some point we'll all hopefully have the answers to this. But the problem is right now we have to live here. We have to be, you know, on this planet and we are amongst enemies that are constantly pushing for our demise in one way or another. And that's just, you know, that's the, the, the part of it that's just the hard part to digest. But here we are. <laughs> so I'm um, going to read a couple more stories to you here. Okay, here. Um, I had gastrointestinal bleeds a couple of times in the past. Once again, I was in the ER with one. This one was more aggressive than the ones in the past. I am a nurse. I knew I had to be seen stat. The triage nurse brushed me off, telling me to wait my turn. I made a patient get up so... Hang on, hang on, just give me a second here. I made a patient get up so that I could get my blood pressure taken quick. I knew my life depended on getting back to the doctors. When I got back to a room, I heard the nurse say, blood pressure 30 over zero. Can you imagine that, you guys? I could feel myself fading. 30 over zero. Wow. My hearing was replaced by a low hum. My vision went black and white. Then my vision closed like a book. I had that happen. My blood pressure bottomed out and I, um, and it, my vision just, everything went black and there was nothing. And then I, I got, you know, I pulled out of it again. I was instantly in a tunnel of brilliant white light, like billions of tiny diamonds. I felt perfect peace, no fear, no uncertainty, no anxiety, no pain. I was in perfect peace as I felt myself traveling into the light as it was traveling past me on its own. I knew I was dead. I remember saying, this is so cool. This is the day I died. I really thought I would die as an old lady, but this is so awesome. I had no memory of how I died. It didn't seem important. When I reviewed my life, I didn't have any bad memories and there have been plenty. I was pleased with my life. I was 51. That was 20 years ago. As I saw the faces of my son's children, I felt joy. 
When I saw my daughter's baby, I found myself hesitating. My perfect peace was no longer perfect. My frail human feelings rushed in. I struggled to get myself into peace. I was so content in my traveling to the light. Again, I felt pulled back. Several times I got my way back, but my ability to stay in the light was becoming difficult. I had no intention of going back to my physical body. The nurse's voice was calling me back. He pleaded with me to open my eyes. I was irritated. I figured I would open my eyes once to appease him, then get myself back to my journey into the light. I quickly opened my eyes. There was only darkness when I shut my eyes again. I was back in my body. I was not happy about it. The room was full of doctors and nurses working on saving my life. My blood was all over the place. I was in pain and very scared. I spent the next week in intensive care fighting for my life. I was told that they had never had someone lose so much blood and live. I was a miracle. I must say that coming back to my body was the most difficult experience emotionally and physically I have ever had in my life. It haunts me to this day, 20 years. It wasn't long before I was thankful for the second chance in life. The granddaughter that had me hesitated for while in the light needed me over the years. I know that feeling. There have been many reasons that I was given more time. I am grateful for all of those years. I don't fear death because I know how great it will be. I do have some concerns about eternity because of the unknown. I don't know what's beyond the light. My faith tells me that heaven is where I will spend eternity. Eternity, that's forever. I can't process that. My NDE has given me the gift of helping those who have lost loved ones or are dying themselves. My story brings them comfort. My brother died last May. At our goodbye visit, I reminded him of my experience and assured him that he was in for the most amazing experience he will ever have in his life. Two, day, two days later, he was gone. I feel assured that his death was amazing. I've always wondered if we have a choice when we die. Does God give everybody a choice? You know, are there just certain people that get a choice? Like what makes people, what gives them the option to go back? You know, is it just that we haven't fulfilled our destiny or our purpose? I just, I wonder because like a lot of us feel like with myself, I feel like, like my kids need me so much. My one grandson, especially and I just, boy, to die, I mean, it would just be a, a it would be a tragedy. It would just for the family, like it just, what a mess things can get to be when a mom or a father, you know, are removed or both, you know, it just, it can just become so bad. But I just, I wonder that I always wanted to so I, I wanted to start going to, there's a place here called the gatehouse. It's a place where they, um, they take people that are terminally ill and they're ready to pass. And I always wanted to go in there and pray over people and work almost like as a pastor would do, but maybe a second to the pastor or something where you would go in and you would witness to people and you would pray with them as they were going to die. 
um, and save, help get them saved. You know, that, that's something I've really wanted to do. I just really don't know how to, to do it. I mean, I've called the hospital and, you know, really, I really haven't put much effort into it, but I really should, because I would really love to do that. My mom was like that. My mom was dying and she was in like a coma. She had, you know, brain bleeds and stuff. She was on dialysis and she wasn't following her dialysis like she was supposed to. <clears throat> and what happened was it, it created these like spots in her brain that were like these dark spots that were, it was like parts of her brain was damaged. And then one day she had like a stroke from it and she went into a coma and they said she couldn't come out of it. There's no way that they could pull her through it. So I went up to her and I said, I was sitting with her and I was holding her hand and I wasn't very close to my mother. Um, she didn't raise me and she was part of my life always, but she was like a child. She, she was just kind of like a teenager and you know, my, my grandparents raised me and mom was just, just flighty and, you know, immature in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I loved her. She just, you know, she just didn't really know how to be a mom, a proper mom. So, you know, it was kind of like, I cared about her and such, but there was a part of me that was like, you know, it didn't really affect me, I, I think as much as it should have, you know, but when this happened, they called me in and I went right away and I, I, uh, was holding her hand and I talked to her and I said, they said that she was non-responsive and I held her hand and I said, mom, I said, you know, you're not going to make it. I said, I'm going to be really blunt about this with you. I said, you know, you have to, you know, I hope you can hear me. I said, you know, they're saying you can't hear me, that you're in a coma, that you're out of it. And she wasn't moving anything, nothing. There was nothing she moved. And I started to pray over her and I was talking to her about Jesus and I knew that she loved the Lord, you know, but she was just kind of like, it's like she didn't really understand about repentance. You know, she felt that you could just kind of live any way you wanted to and that God would just forgive you. And that may be, or that may not be. I, I don't know that. And with me, I wouldn't want to take the chance of that. I would, I, you know, I feel that Jesus died for us and, and the least we can do is show him that our intent is to not sin, that we don't try to sin. You know, if you, if you, you find yourself caught up in sin in, in whatever ways, or if you're struggling with something, that's one thing, you know, but you don't just set out to sin, you know, and, and she kind of lived a life where she just did whatever she wanted and just acted like everything would just be forgiven, you know, and I just, I just don't believe that. I don't feel that that's correct. And so I was talking to her and I was going through the, the, the prayers, you know, of salvation with her and such. And, and I said, you know, mom, you know, and I asked her, I said, you know, do you accept Jesus into your heart? Like, do you, you know, repent and, you know, for, you know, are you asking for forgiveness and all that stuff? And she squeezed my hand and it was amazing. Like it was just incredible. And then, you know, I asked her, you know, I said some, I asked her something else about the Lord and she squeezed my hand again. And that was it. That's all we ever got out of her. So the, the, that veil God allowed to be lifted for just those brief moments to get through to her somehow that veil was lifted for her soul. 
And then I believe it was, you know, put back and, you know, whatever needed to be done was done. And that's, that's really what I wanted to do for people. I wanted to, you know, go out and, uh, work with people that were dying and pray with them and, you know, try to see if they would be willing to be saved. And I don't know, we'll see what happens with it. I hope at some point I can do that. Uh, last story for today. Um, when I was seven years old, it was the first time my heart stopped eating and I clinically died and was brought back through medical intervention. I was laying in my bed sleeping late at night. I felt a horrendous pressure on my chest and could not breathe or call out to my mother. Then I felt a sharp shooting pain in my head that was agonizing. Next thing I know, I was going up a slide of sorts. At that time, it seemed like a slide. I was whooshing up the slide at a fast, fast speed, and I felt exhilarated as the pain in my chest and the pain in my head totally disappeared, and I felt tingling all over my body, which as an adult, I would compare it to, this is kind of gross, but a full body orgasm. I shot off the slide and into what looked like some kind of beautiful valley, unlike I had ever seen before. There were flowers all over the place. Some looked like bluebells. Some were beautiful bright red and yellow rose and all sorts of flowers. I did not know the name of, but all of them were alive and moving. I thought that they were so wonderful and they were swaying and singing some kind of very melodious songs that reminded me of when I used to listen to the choir in church with my parents on Sundays. There was a glow from everything and there was a pond that seemed alive and was wavy and it gave off the sounds of tinkly bells. And there's my phone again. Sorry about that. Give me one second, guys. My phone just went off and interrupted me. Okay, give me a second here. Um, I lost my place here. My phone just got me screwed up there. Okay. I'm just going to go back here. Okay, there was a glow from everything, and there was a pond that seemed alive and was wavy, and it gave off the sounds of tinkly bells like the wind chimes that we had on our porch. I just sat on the ground in total awe. My cat bottom buttons, oh, okay, my cat buttons, who had died of distemper three months before, came up to me and plunked his glowing self in my lap. And he was purring really loud and lapped my face, which tingled in a good way. Isn't that awesome, you guys? There's a validation of having our pets in heaven. I sat there in the beautiful valley for what seemed a long time to me, and then a bearded man with dark bronze skin kind of floated up in front of me. I was not afraid because he kind of looked like a picture of Jesus that hung in the Sunday school room, only his skin was dark and shiny with a glow, and he seemed to be full of humor and warmth, and he was not at all scary to me. He seemed to have a twinkle in his eyes that I liked. He lifted me like I weighed nothing at all and put me on his shoulders and started walking to where the valley ended. Next thing I knew, he set me on a stone wall 
or look like one to me, but it was glowing and see-through and reminded me of the mica that came with my brother's microscope kit. He told me that my mother needed me and loved me and would be crushed if I did not go back. I did not want to leave as I was afraid that the horrible pain I had felt and I wanted to stay where I was. He promised me that I would not be in pain if I went back. Oh, that's neat. Next thing I knew, I was now rushing down the slide thing, and it was very dark like a tunnel in adult hindsight. I had had a stroke and my heart stopped beating, and I was told later I was gone for almost four minutes. Later in life, I was diagnosed with sudden cardiac death syndrome, S. CD, or also called Sudden Cardiac Arrest Syndrome, or SCA. When I became conscious, I was hooked up with all sorts of stuff, and I was drooling out of the right side of my mouth. I was in the hospital for about a week, and eventually the damage from the stroke was not too severe, which was a miracle because of how long it took for the ambulance to get to my house. Luckily, the hospital was not far from our house. I kept dreaming about the glowing man that told me I had to go back home to my parents and family and how he said he would make sure that I did not experience pain. He was good to his promise, whoever he was, and I wanted more than anything to go back to where it was I went when my spirit left my body. To this day, I have a slight droop in my mouth of the right side, but it is not noticeable until I smile but not noticeable if one was not looking for it. That seemed to be the only thing that had been affected. At the time, it seemed that way anyway. My parents explained, explained to me when I was older that I had died, but paramedics were able to get my heart beating again and I came back. I never was the same after going where I went. Lots of strange stuff happened to me after that. And I will send more on that later. So there you have it. I, um, just whatever you do, whether you believe or you don't believe, open yourself up, let God in, you know, pray, you know, ask him to show himself. If you're a non-believer, Ask him to show himself. Ask him to confirm that he's real. Pray about it. What can it hurt? You know, if you're into witchcraft and all that dark stuff, get out. Get out of it. It's a one-way ticket to hell. I really believe that. You know, I'm not an expert on this. But I know what I feel in my soul. And just say your prayers, you guys. You know, keep praying. Prayer is so powerful. It's so, so powerful. And the more more of us that pray, it's even more powerful. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I love you guys. Be safe. Say your prayers. And I will be talking to you soon. Take care. Mm-hmm.